Hey, how are you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Coconut, the one simple app you need to manage your business finances when you're self-employed with banking, bookkeeping, invoicing and tax all in one place. Crack business admin. Get coconut.com slash being freelance. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Rose Crompton. In the end, I just got impatient trying to find the right company and thought, no, sod it. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to go out and be freelance. I just kind of got on with it. You just you just have to suck it up. If the alternative is not having a job and not working somewhere or having to go and do something every day that you're not 100% satisfied with or enjoy, then even if you're going through a difficult time, maybe it feels sometimes uncomfortable, you just learn to get on with it. I hit like a 10 year milestone where I felt like I could finally admit that I have a career and that I have a job and that I do know what I'm doing. That was a massive mental mind shift for me. Yes, so there is Rose, her story coming up in a moment. She's a copywriter and content marketer based in Australia, in Brisbane. So yeah, coming up soon. How are you though? Hope all's going well for you in life and in business. Beingfreelance.com is the website for this here podcast, but also where I do videos and there's articles and of course the community. You can come and find freelancers from around the world to get support from, but also have a laugh from. We do the non-employee of the week awards. We do the book club. We do live Q&As, but you can also ask questions when you've got a question. Um, Vent when you need to vent and laugh when you need to laugh. It's all in the Being Freelance community. Please do come find us. If you enjoy this podcast, you can also support it by buying me coffee and biscuits. You don't have to, but if you do, I really appreciate it. Go to beingfreelance.com slash coffee. But you know, the biggest support you could also do really is to share it. If you're writing a blog post about your favorite podcasts, put it on there maybe, or just a tweet, a retweet for an episode or sharing it on LinkedIn or wherever you like to hang out, or just telling another freelancer in person when you meet them so that we can spread the word and get even more people being helped by all of the stories over 200 episodes you're really not alone being freelance and it really does help i think when we when we get together and we share together and that all sounds a bit ott i know but genuinely so please do help spread the word that would be amazing right let's crack on shall we and hear from freelance content marketer and copywriter rose crompton hey rose hello how are we we are good. Uh, by the way, I, I, we, we'll say this now. If you hear a little squeaking noise in the background of this episode, it is the Australian wildlife outside Rose's window and there's nothing we can do about it. Not unless I shut the window and melt. That's the no, other I like option. it. I like it. <laughs> but clearly you're not from Australia, so maybe, maybe that will come up in your story. How did you get started being freelance? Sure. Okay. Well, um, this is a two-part story. <gasps> Excellent. I know. Part one begins in London between 2012 and 2014. And it's a tragedy, I'm afraid, because I have been freelance twice during my career. Uh, and so the first time was when I was living in London and I quit my job working in a high school as a teaching assistant, which I landed in because the magazine I'd been working for before that closed during the recession. So it was kind of one 
awkward thing after another. But uh, I, I reached a point working at this school and I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to get back into writing. So I am going to go freelance because I, I struggled to find another job in London as a journalist, which is what I was doing on this lifestyle magazine. So I was like, OK, I'll, I'll just go be a freelance journalist. It'll be fine. I've got a few a few connections like I'm sure the work will roll in. And how wrong was I? Um, I massively underestimated the amount of work you needed to do to be a freelancer. And I had no idea what was involved in running a business. So I, I failed. <laughs> I failed miserably, unfortunately. The first time I had no processes. I had very little idea where to find any clients, apart from going back to the few people that I had worked with when I was working in a publishing house um, and so contacting friends, which is a great way to start a freelancing business. But, you know, I, I had a pretty small network and it wasn't enough to really build a whole career on. So, yeah, I had little idea of where, where else to find clients. And I had, you know, the biggest problem was having no clue on how to set rates or negotiate prices or any of that. And I was living in central London. I had rent to pay. I had bills to sort out. I had a lifestyle that I wanted to enjoy because I was living in the city. Um, and I just wasn't, I wasn't getting enough work from it. So despite there being a few wins, I still needed to pick up some part-time work. And so I did that by working in an adult store on London's Oxford Street. <laughs> Uh, so I worked for, yeah, for London's biggest adult retailer, aka sex shop. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And I eventually persuaded them to take me on full time as their in-house writer for their website that they were relaunching rather than working for their shop. So that kind of ended chapter one of my experience of freelancing. And it slightly terrified me I mean it was scary it was hard and to be honest I was happy then to be back in full-time work the relief of having a, a steady income you know you, you're working in that store like how did they end up knowing that you were so you just told them you were a writer did you try and get freelance work out of them like how did you yeah so I told them that I was a writer I think when when it first came about, I just went and did some CV dropping in central London. Uh, and they were one of the stores that I went into. And I explained the magazine that I'd been working for previously, which was called Scarlet Magazine. Uh, and that was a women's lifestyle magazine. And it was known for having an erotic literature section in the middle of it. Uh, and doing lots of very raunchy, racy kind of articles and features it wasn't a top shelf magazine though I have to say that part of my career came later I did also write for, <laughs> I did also write for top shelf magazines I didn't model for top shelf magazines um <laughs> so I ended up going into the store and saying look you know I, I've got all this history of working in in the kind of adult industry or yeah kind of with pleasure products more than anything. Um, and so I would love to have a job here. So they hired me and then I got to know the manager and I was like, look, you know, I can see you guys uh, are working towards launching a website and I have some writing experience. Um, you're going to want a blog on there. You're going to want email marketing to go with this. You're going to want product descriptions. And I'm a writer and I'm already working for you guys. So how about you, uh, you let me add it? And 
eventually they did when they were ready to to kind of make a big project of it. And so that worked out really well. That's wicked. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like you took the the jaws of being freelance, like where you have to go out and get work mm. and sort of let them bite away at the people you, you were actually working with, created yourself a job. Yeah, yeah, and carved myself a full-time job from it. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think that that was, you know, after that, that gave me kind of a bit more confidence when I came to to doing or having a go at freelance this second time around um because while I was in that full-time job I I learned a lot of skills and I learned a lot of uh, more marketing so I moved more from doing a kind of journalist and journalism side of thing to understanding the difference between marketing writing and copywriting and content marketing and SEO writing and you know all of that 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 comes with it and so I'll be forever thankful for having that opportunity of working full time for that company because I just learned so much on the job uh, of being chucked in the deep end with them. And, and I loved it. And it was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, that that was great. Um, and then, yeah, part two of this story is slightly happier of me arriving here in Brisbane. 2017, I got to Brisbane in Australia and um, I got a little bit impatient after interviewing for several in-house copy jobs at agencies where, you know, I wasn't massively inspired by the kind of people that were working there or the sort of clients that they were bringing in. And I kept getting the feeling that a lot of these places just wanted someone to be a content monkey. And I am not a content monkey. You know, I care a lot about what I write and who it's being put in front of and the messaging that I'm putting out there and what I'm creating for clients. So, yeah, I, in the end, I just got impatient trying to find the right company and thought, no, sod it. I'm going to I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to go out and be and be freelance and give this another go uh, and give it the proper time and attention that it needed. So I joined courses, I joined communities. And um, yeah, I've I, I'm happy to say that it's all going a lot better this time around. And I feel like I've got a proper business. So how long were you? Uh, in that full-time role back in London? Uh, so I did that for about two and a half years. And then was it just a lifestyle choice to go go to Australia? Um, no, I'm married to an Australian, unfortunately. Well, fortunately. You know. <laughs> I, I live over here. It's pretty good. So depends which way you look at it. Did you marry an Aussie in London? I married an Aussie in Edinburgh. We met in London, got married in Edinburgh, lived Aww. in London. Got fed up of London. And then moved back to... And moved. Right, okay. And so with, with a little stint in South America travelling before that. When I went to South America, I was kind of umming and ahhing whether I wanted to be a writer at all. You know, I kind of used the four or five months that we had away travelling to really think about what it was that I wanted to do. But when I came to Australia, I, I felt comfortable and confident that, yes, writing is the right place for me. Uh, and is the right job for me and this is what I want to be doing so that that was a massive help as well just having that break so you decide to go freelance because you're not happy with the the jobs you were going for how did you do it different this time around what did you learn how did you go getting those clients yeah, so, um, yeah, I learned a lot more about using the resources that you've got uh, available to you in the first instance. So the whole thing of telling people you know, like your family, your friends, 
past colleagues and, and workmates that you're going freelance. So that gives you a, a good start and a good basis um, in terms of bringing in clients and bringing in like that first bit of money. But then I was well aware that if I was going to do this properly as a business, I needed those those processes. I needed to learn like how do you manage a client? How do you manage a client from the first time they get in touch with you and, and maybe they're talking to you about money and about prices and then how do you manage the whole project, the central project bit of it and delivering what it is they need? How do you manage any time that they're upset with anything? And then how do you how do you deal with wrapping up a project? Like there was that whole whole process from start to end which I just completely overestimated the first time I freelanced and was something that I needed to get sorted this time so uh, for me a big thing was joining the clever copywriting community which is run by Kate Toon who I, I believe you've spoken to many times before and she's brilliant and there's just such a, an excellent community there where there's people who are going through the same things and offering advice. And so, you know, there are already templates there. There are people who have been through it who can you can talk to if something's going wrong with a client. Um, so that that was a big starting point for me was, um, yeah, making sure I got my processes set up. And so I did a lot of reading um, online. You know, I, I joined Copyblogger as well, which is another kind of um, – directory where I I advertise myself and my services and that's been a really big help um, there was also a big learning curve of learning the difference between copywriting and content marketing and deciding you know which side of that do I want to go into uh, or can I manage both if I do do more strategy for content marketing like what more do I need what other skills do I need to learn to help with that um, so yeah it, it's just been a lot of learning and taking new things on on board in order to make sure that I've got everything in place so that when a client comes to me, I feel confident that I can take them from the start of their project to the end of their project. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a big thing for me. How long did it take to sort of get up and running, feeling like you had regular work coming in? I only just feel like that in the last kind of four or five months, maybe. So I've only been in business really this this second time around for it's just coming up to three years. It will be three years in April. So I still consider my business very young and there's still, you know, lots of creases that need ironing out. But um, I hit like a 10 year milestone in June last year where I felt like I could finally admit that I have a career and that um you know I have a job and that I do know what I'm doing and so that was a massive mental mind shift for me um because before that I just sort of felt like I was still treading water I was always saying to myself oh when you grow up or when you become a copywriter or when you decide what your career is or what your job is yeah, so it's only really been in the last few months that I feel more comfortable and more settled in what it is that I'm doing and what it is that I'm offering and how I talk about my services and my business. So, yeah, I mean, before that, the focus of my business was bringing in money, whereas now I feel like I'm reaching that stage of, okay, I've got a good 
number of reliable clients who you know come back to me regularly so now I can start working on building up the other parts of my business so I can invest more time in my marketing or I can invest more time in sorting out my website and my SEO and and doing all those things which you know it's that whole do as I say not as I do and now I'm getting to that point where I can do what I tell other people to do which feels like quite a luxury (laughs) and quite a nice thing so yeah, I mean, it's probably yeah, to only been the last sort of four or five months where I feel like, yeah, this is this is all going well and I can shift my focus a little bit. So that's three years of trading, only a few months of feeling like, yeah, I'm there. So how did that feel mm. the rest of the time? Like, were you on edge or were you enjoying it? Did you feel like giving up? Like, how how was it? How was it? It was, it's exciting. Like, I'm one of these people who thrives on being chucked in the deep end and I've done that through a lot of my career back from my like my scarlet days when I when I started at the magazine I can deal with that and I just I kind of learned to just keep my head down and get on with it a little bit there were times where you panic and you faff and especially like if you've got someone coming to you and they're trying to haggle you on prices and learning that whole client management thing and and how to talk to people in that way. So there were times when you'd have, you just wouldn't know what to do and you just feel like giving up and you question yourself and there is worry. And But I think if you're just strong enough to, to push through that a bit, like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, I just kind of got on with it. You just, you just have to suck it up. If the alternative is not having a job and not working somewhere or having to go and do something every day that you're not 100% satisfied with or enjoy, then then even if you're going through a difficult time, maybe that feels sometimes uncomfortable, you just learn to get on with it. At least that's how I've found it. No, I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so finally, you said you could start marketing, practicing what you preach. So h- mm. how do you put yourself out there? Okay, so I've been trying to be a lot more active on social media and I hate social media like (laughs) (laughs) for all the hours that I'm on it annoyingly like it's not a service that I offer my clients nor is it something I will ever offer them for me I just like it's I find it a bit tedious but I understand it's where I need to be Uh, and it's where you know a lot of my clients are so yeah marketing for me is is being more present on social media and being more um, organized in what it is that I'm putting out on social media and also on my website. So I've joined the Right 52 project that was started by Ed Callow. So that's mm. right52.com. Um, and the idea of that is that you publish a piece of content every week for 52 weeks. Um, for me, I didn't feel like I was putting enough content out on my blog or on my website, which if you're doing that regularly, that gives you more to talk about on your social media, right? So I signed up for that knowing that I wanted to do more on my website and be more helpful to my clients and my customers. So that's been a really big help and has been what I've been yeah, it's helped me with the foundation of my my own marketing plan of figuring out what content do I want to put out to who 
and when, you know, are there, are there themes of months that I want to do that I can create content and build content around and then kind of feed that through my social media marketing and my email marketing so that I'm doing a better job of showing up in front of my ideal audience and the people that I, I want to reach and hopefully people who would like to become my clients uh, in the near future. So that's, yeah, that's been a big help. There's still massive room for improvement. I know that there's still more I need to do. And this is the first time where I've been able to kind of sit down and plan a whole year as well, which feels pretty daunting. But yeah, so far, so good. I'm sticking to my to my deadlines and my goals of, of doing this. So yeah, that's that's been a big help. You've planned a whole year. Yeah. Of your own content? Of my own content, yes. Wow. So, okay, I should say I, I have a Trello board that's like full of unfinished, half-assed ideas that needed something <laughs> doing with them. Like that's my – Trello is my brain dump area for mm-hmm. uh, for my own business. So I've got all of these cards and like bits and pieces of ideas floating around. So – you know, a bit like you would do if you're going to an editorial pitching meeting or something like you pick out which ones look decent to start with, do a bit of research. Has it got legs? Will it work? If it does, then cool. I'm going to now zip that into my into my content calendar and do something with it. And because there's no point in having these ideas constantly just sitting in, in Trello, doing nothing and doing nothing for my business. So that was, yeah, where I started in terms of, okay, let's plan out this year. Let's start with the articles and the content that I want to write. And I kind of think about everything, you know, from SEO to how much time am I going to have to write each week if I know I've got holidays or other events or whatnot coming up. I'll try and plan what content I can write for that week around everything else or the client work so some weeks I know that okay I'm gonna have to turn this blog around really quickly so I need a quick blog topic idea whereas other times it's like yep I can I've got a bit more time to write so I can do something a bit more in depth so yeah it's been it's been good to sort of sit and think and time manage a little bit better as well which is a whole other thing of that I've learned this second time around from freelancing is, yeah, you know, managing your time wisely through all the very many millions of things you need to do for your business. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, what does a day or a week look like for you? So a day for me, I will always aim to do my writing in the morning. So ideally, all client writing gets done first thing in the morning because I am just more of a morning person, really. And then I'll leave everything like other email admin or marketing or social media marketing or jumping on calls with clients. I'll aim to do that in the afternoons um, or later in the week because for me, that doesn't take as much brain power as sitting and writing or editing a piece. So, yeah, I, I kind of I try to plan my day hour by hour, <laughs> which might sound a little bit um, full on. But I just find that if I say, OK, I'm going to sit and I'm going to write for three hours on this particular writing project, then I'm a lot more productive and I know that I will sit down and I'll get it done within that allotted time or quicker um, so I really yeah I need quite structured days um, in order for me to be the most productive that I can be mm. and do you work 
like, do you try to work fixed hours? Do you work from home? I work from home, yep. So I've got my little home office set up um, and I do try and work fixed hours. Uh, I try and work regular office hours. You know, I, I don't have kids. I don't have a pet or anything like that. So I really can just sort of sit and work. But then I also have the luxury of if I want, I can get up and go out and go to the cinema or cut out early and know that I can be a bit more flexible with, with my time on weeks that I need to. But I, for me, I have to, I have to plan that a bit more. Like if I say, okay, I'm going to take an afternoon off here, I have to be able to see where can I make up that time. But like I'm quite rigid in that sense. So yeah, I, I do that, uh, yeah, work from home, but then once or twice a week, I will go and work in the library with my co-working buddy, Kelly, uh, who you may have seen me post about on, on Twitter or on Instagram, and she's a fellow copywriter, and we've gotten into the routine of going and working outside of our home offices um, just for a change of scenery, because sometimes that really helps, and it's good to get out into the big wide world and have a look at what Joe Public are doing and what's happening out outside of our own four walls and it's good to be able to have um a fellow creative and freelancer that I can bounce ideas around with I, I think that's one of the things I miss most about working in-house in an office is having colleagues and being able to throw ideas around with people so at least having this one day a week where Kelly and I get together we know that we can have conversation and if one of us is struggling with something we can sit down and talk about it or we can have you know a bit more fun sitting in a cafe or the bar and just chatting about work ideas that we've got coming up and that's been a really big part of my business I think to help keep me motivated and also to help keep my yeah my inspiration and my creativity going so yeah that's great that's so cool who who like came up with that how, how did you meet? Like, how did you um, end up in that situation? Yeah, we met at um, another coffee morning, a freelance coffee morning run by a group, an Australian-based group called the Freelance Jungle. There's a monthly coffee morning here in Brisbane. And so Kelly and I met there and we just got chatting about how we needed time out of our home offices. And it turned out we both were going to the library already uh, to go and do our like separate working days. So we just decided, um, I think it was like the start of last year, or the start of 2018, that we would get together and have those library days together. So it just worked out really, really well. That's really nice. Do you know, I've just really, we had, I think she created the freelance jungle, Emily oh, Reed, Emily. a copywriter called Emily Oh, so yes. Yeah, so, well, maybe she didn't create it, but I'm sure that I've, we have. Uh, I think she's now. Is she now based in America or something like that? Yes, I met Emily, and the first few times that I went to the Freelance Jungle Coffee Mornings, it was Emily Reed that was organising it and hosting it. So, Freelance Jungle is run by a lady called Beck Lambert, I believe. Um, right. And yeah, and Emily was just doing the Brisbane-based meetups. Uh, but then she moved to America and it's now being run by a chap called Bill Harper, who's an excellent editor uh, and is a very good friend also. So, yes, I, I have met Emily and knew Emily. So it's a small place, Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll put a link at beingfreelance.com through to Emily's episode. Uh, cool. It was like last summer uh, that we spoke to her. That's so funny. But that's nice because, as you say, it is a city, but it's so but it 
it, it you can make it a small place. You've made connections locally since yeah. being there, getting out. Yeah, yeah, and it it does feel small. And I think you know, compared to to London and compared to the UK, and how easy it is to kind of get around the UK and meet freelancers in various cities. You know, here if you're doing that, you've got to travel for you know, an hour by plane to get to like Melbourne or Sydney or wherever, where there are other freelancers, where there are more freelancers. And so it is still very much like, it feels like it's still a very a growing community over here and is quite small. Um, you know, actually Kate Toon was one of the first copywriters that I met. I think I'd been off the boat for all of three weeks over here. And I can't remember where I found Kate, I think on Twitter. And she was like, oh, I'm coming to Brisbane. Like, let's go for a drink. Um, you know, I'm getting a few people together. And I was like saying to my husband, oh, I think I've made my first copywriting friend and it's Kate Toon. And I had no idea who Kate Toon was and at the time. And obviously, yeah, she's huge over here and runs very successful businesses. And uh, yeah, I massively underestimated who she was. But I'm part of her community and have met her several times and she is wonderful. And uh, yeah, a great, a great mentor, a great person to be able to, to chat to about business and work. So... And are your clients, like, are they local to you or do you, you know, is it, could they be anywhere in the world? Yeah, anywhere in the world. I like to say I've gone global, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous. It's, it's not. I've got clients in Australia, the UK and America. Uh, most of my work does still come through from the UK, in all honesty, and still from people that I knew there and connections that I had when I was living and working there. Yeah, it's it's been harder to build up clients here in Australia than maybe I was anticipating. And I think it is just one of those things of just getting to know like a new market and a new audience and the way that they, they talk and the way that they approach business and what they consider to be their priorities within their small businesses at the minute. And that's who I primarily write for is, you know, other freelancers and small business owners. And it, feels over here like a lot of these small businesses are still just getting to grips with what it means to be marketing online and digital marketing so yeah it does feel like it's been a little slower to take off over here but I've I've got some good loyal clients here in Australia uh, and it's going well and business is building up well that's so good to hear now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me Rose Okay, fact number one. I'm related to someone who stole a blind horse. (laughs) Mm. Fact number two. I'm a level two cricket umpire. Right. Okay, fact number three. I got body painted and went for a pint in a pub. Body painted? Isn't that when you're like, you're, you're nude and they, but they paint it to make it look like you're wearing clothes? Yeah, I mean, they can body paint you to look like anything. They can body paint you to oh, look like true. a zebra if you want. But yes, I I was body painted to look like I was wearing jeans and a top, when in reality, all I was wearing was a thong and high heels. 
It was great. Was that just a regular Saturday night for you or? Uh, I wish. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. It was it was for an article for a magazine and we were doing a naked issue. Each of us on staff, we did a different naked challenge. And for me, it was to get naked, get body painted and go for a pint in a central London pub. Did people notice? Funny thing not at first um so like when I walked into the pub there was this group of regulars down but like where the door was it went in by a pool table and there was a group of regulars uh-huh. there playing pool and they were like oh how you doing Rose you're right and then there was one of them that was just stood there in the corner and I like looked at him <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like Rose are you naked I was like I might be I might be so it was, yeah, it was did a you have Did you have to have photos taken in there? Did have photos taken. Don't search the internet, mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. Okay. You're a level two cricket umpire. Yeah, I love cricket. So who do you umpire? So when, when I was umpiring, like I haven't done it since I moved to Australia because I think it would involve doing like a different certification. Um, I, I was just doing like weekend matches, but it was um, weekend like village cricket, but ones where it was happening in a league. So they'd need an independent umpire. Cool. Do you get a special outfit? Uh, no, they just ask you to, to, to dress appropriately, dress smart. You're out in the sun all day. So you kind of just want to make sure that you're, that you're covered and, and protected from the sun and that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have, a, have the wide brimmed hat and I'd wear a long sleeve shirt, but no, you don't get like an official uniform. You're generally just asked to, to wear white on top of black trousers that kind of thing so as long as you're looking different to the players and you're related to somebody who stole a blind horse yeah now I do have to say this was an ancestor going quite far back I thought I'd better think of like an Australia related one so this was one my mum dug up when she was doing ancestry Uh, And she found out that we had a member of our family deported to Australia when deportation was a thing because the Muppet stole a blind horse. I mean, (laughs) he couldn't even steal one that could see where it was going. How ridiculous is that? So I can't say, yeah, I'm not sure like the most intelligent branch of our family made it over here until now, obviously. Um, So, yeah, that was a bit crazy. (laughs) These are three very believable stories. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Tricky. I don't know where the blind horse would come from if that wasn't true. That feels (laughs) like something that is a brilliant... That feels so true. (laughs) The thing is, the body painting feels true. I mean, you you said the sort of magazine that you worked for. That does feel like... Not that I've read that magazine, but it feels like the sort of thing that would appear in a magazine. Like That Mm. feels so true. Mm. Which means the cricket... Maybe you even hate cricket. Maybe your husband <laughs> loves cricket, you loathe cricket, and every time he goes to watch the cricket, you go to the cinema, and so the thought of you ever being an umpire is ridiculous. I'm saying that is the lie. Okay, so you're saying the cricket umpire is a lie. Yeah. You're right! Woohoo! Yes! <laughs> 
Your powers of deduction. <laughs> I'm so glad that the blind horse and the body painting is true. <laughs> yeah. You were very convincing crazy. with the cricket umpire, though. Do you know the one thing which, which slightly gave it away was when you said you only did it in England, but you would be outdoors in the sun all day. And I thought, nah, it's not, that, it's not sunny enough. Oh, no, that was the tell. Oh, rookie (laughs) error. I was overthinking. I do love cricket, though. I am a massive cricket fan. Uh, Excellent. Well done. Good stories. Thank Um, you. How have you found the, like, the, obviously early on you found it tricky, but how have you found the business side of of being freelance? Yeah, difficult. Difficult. I think um, especially talking about money and finance is it's hard at the best of times. And then when you're just trying to find your way through business at the same time and stay creative and interested in what you're doing and what your clients need from you and trying to yet learn more about the money and the contract and the business side of things, it's hard because it's not the most fun part of the job for me anyway. You know, I'm I enjoy being a writer. I enjoy talking to people and interviewing people and hearing about their stories. Um, I don't like doing all the admin side of things. So it is difficult, but it's necessary. And I think that's what hugely fell down for me. Yeah, like the first time that I that I freelanced, I thought I could just get away with doing the romantic side of things uh, and the fun bit of, of running a business and writing for people without having to do the hard slog of get your contracts in place understand what legal clauses you mean, understand budgeting and how you're going to plan um, for if you have a quiet month or if you have a busy month, how not to get carried away with spending it all. Um, you know, and yeah, that's that's definitely the hardest thing or the amount of time that you've got to spend on your own marketing or on your own website or sitting and reading and learning about the latest developments in your industry so that you remain relevant and on point and can keep giving your clients what it is that they need. So yeah, I mean, overall, being freelance is difficult. Like, it's not a walk in the park, you need to put the work in, I've found. And if you do that, then that's when you can start to, to settle back and enjoy it and enjoy those bits of your business and what it is that you do what it is that you want to become known for and and do more of that and that's the pleasure and that's the payoff and that's why we do it I guess if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be um I think the main one I go with is own your job title so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I really struggled until recently of admitting what it is that I do and that I have a career. And I've wrestled with that for a really long time. And I think if I could give myself, my younger self, yeah, that advice, it would be own what it is that you do and be proud what it is that you do and be confident that you know how to do it. Even if you're still learning, you like you you don't know everything. You can never know everything in in your area and what you do. But just start being proud enough of saying what it is that that you do and how you do it. So own it, Rose. It's been so great to speak <laughs> to you. Thank you so much for coming on. No. Go to beingfreelance.com and there will be links through to what Rose is up to. We'll also put a link 
to Emily Reed's episode, also Kate Toon's episode and the live Q&A that she did in the Being Freelance community as well. Also check out the articles and the videos. And if you're a freelancing parent, the other podcast that I co-host is called Doing It For The Kids. Come find me over there. Go search for it. And if you've enjoyed this, please do consider hitting subscribe if you've not already. What? Why haven't you? And um, maybe even leaving a review. That would be marvellous. But for now, thank you so much, Rose, and all the best being freelance. Thanks, Steve. It's been really good talking to you. Yeah, so there we are. There's Rose. And she was mentioning Kate Toon. I forgot to say at the time, we are going to be doing a Being Freelance meetup in London, June the 15th, Monday, June the 15th. And Kate is actually over from Australia in Europe for a very short period of time. So she's going to be there. Myself and Kate both doing talks and then loads of time for us to socialise and meet up. Details in the community and also at beingfreelance.com. We would love to have you there, Monday, June 15th. I know that's a long way off. All right, you have a great week being freelance.